Amen and good morning. Welcome to worship this morning. It seems like we're all a very chatty bunch this morning. That is a wonderful thing. Well, welcome to worship this morning. It is wonderful to have you all here. Happy Mother's Day to all of you. And I say that knowing that Mother's Day can be a really tough day for some people. I, I mean, some people, there's grief on Mother's Day, as maybe, especially I know some of you, it, it's your first Mother's Day without your mom. And I know things like that can be tough, so I honor that Mother's Day can be a difficult day. And I also know that it's a day that hopefully is full of joy. So sometimes it can be a mixture. So to all of you, happy Mother's Day. To those who do mother, to those who have mothers, to everyone, may you find some some peace on this day, and welcome to worship. And now as we begin this service, you guys know we have a camera mounted back there, and we have folks who are joining with us online. So will you first take a second to turn around and wave and say good morning to our folks who are still worshiping with us virtually? And now let us pray. Holy and loving God, we turn to you this morning, and we ask that you pour your Holy Spirit upon us. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us as we worship you this morning. Help us to turn towards you. Help us to think not about ourselves today, but to worship you. We pray this and every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior. And together we say, Amen. Amen. And now, friends, the peace of Christ be with you all. And now while you stay seated, you can turn around, say good morning to those around you. Don't get up, but take a second to say good morning. Stand with us and sing. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. Oh, Spirit, come make us humble. We turn our eyes from evil things. Oh, Lord, we cast down our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts, let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, O God of Jacob, and O God, let us be a generation that seeks. Seeks your face, O God of Jacob. We bow our hearts, we bend our knees. O Spirit, come make us humble. Turn our eyes from evil things. Oh Lord, we cast out our idols. Give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. 
give us clean hands, give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, that seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, oh God of Jacob. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. Give us clean hands. Give us pure hearts. Let us not lift our souls to another. And oh God, let us be a generation that seeks seeks your face, O God of Jacob, and O God, let us be a generation that seeks, seeks your face, O God of Jacob. Amen. And now is the time when we light our peace candle as we light this peace candle on Mother's Day, I think that we know that those who sometimes pray for peace the most are those who are mothers. Those who are praying for peace so much are those who have children out there in the world, and, and often we can be so anxious the moment that we put our children somewhere that's not with us, and they're out of our sight, and they're out of our protection. And so today, we pray for peace, the peace that mothers pray for every day. We pray for peace together. Let us pray. Holy and loving God, we pray for peace this morning. We turn to you knowing that even though this world is full of chaos, you lead us to follow your paths of peace. So Lord, fill us with your love, fill us with your presence, and fill us with your peace this morning so that we can go out there into this world and be instruments of your peace. Through Christ our Lord, we pray. Amen. We have a special guest with us today. Taylor, take it away. A capable woman who can find she is far more precious than jewels. Her children rise up and call her happy. Her husband too, and he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Wow, Taylor, that was such a beautiful poem. That was a really beautiful poem. In fact, it wasn't just a poem, but it's from the Bible. It's actually the last chapter in a book called Proverbs, which is full of wise sayings. Moms are special, but I have a question. That last line that Taylor read said that a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Why would anyone fear the Lord? Well, little brother, in the Bible, when it says to fear the Lord, the word fear actually means 
revere. So we're not supposed to be afraid of the Lord, but we're supposed to honor and worship the Lord. Oh, good. I was thinking all the moms were afraid of the Lord, and I was so confused. Oh, no. They just honor and worship God. And what does it mean that we should praise moms? Sorry, brother. I have so many questions. That's okay. It's good to ask questions. In this proverb, it means that we should let moms know that we love and respect them. And today, on Mother's Day, is a great day to let our moms know that they are loved and show them that we are thankful for all that they do for us. Oh, yes. Moms are great. Kids, let's take time to show our moms how much we love them today. They love us enough to teach us about the Lord, and we can show them how much we appreciate them today. Have a great day, kids, and don't forget to tell your moms, Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day! Good morning, and again, happy Mother's Day to everybody. <laughs> now, for our uh, call to worship, when I say, loving Lord, all of you can respond with, thank you for your tender care. Today, we are giving thanks to God for the gift of mothers and the mother-like nature that many people show to others in their lives. Isaiah wrote, as a mother comforts her child, so will I comfort you. Loving Lord, Isaiah also wrote that God would never forget us. He knows each of us like a mother knows her own children. Loving Lord. Thank you for your care. David wrote that in God's presence, he was quiet and at peace, trusting God like a child safe in loving arms. Loving Lord. Jesus spoke of himself as a mother, longing to wrap his arms around us, like a mother hen gathers her chicks under her wings. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I have longed to gather your children together, as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Loving Lord. Paul writes about his missionary ministry and likens his work to that of a nurse who looks after those in her care. Loving Lord. you were forsaken I'm accepted you were condemned and 
I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again. Amazing love, how can it be that you, my King, would die for me? Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you in all I do. I honor you. I'm forgiven because you were forsaken. I'm accepted, you were condemned, and I'm alive and well, your spirit is within me, because you died and rose again, amazing love, how can it be? My King would die for me. Amazing love, I know it's true. It's my joy to honor you. Now, friends, you're going to notice if you are here in the sanctuary that we actually have Bibles in the pews. We kind of realized this week that since everybody is sitting in alternating pews, depending on the service, that when a Bible is touched, it's not touched again for a week. Hopefully, it's not like that in your house. Hopefully, your Bible is picked up more than once a week. Uh, but here in the church, they should only really be touched once a week. So we figured it was safer to remove those uh, or to return those back into the pews. And so you do have your Bible. So you might want to open up to 
Acts chapter 10, if you would like to follow along. And of course, uh, Acts chapter 10 is an amazing chapter. It's, it's wonderful. I love it. I mean, I know I always say everything's my favorite, but this one's up there. It's one of my favorites. Uh, uh, but I was trying to figure out what verses we should read. So I had written, well, you would read 1 through 16, and that gives us the heart of the message if we read 1 through 16. But I've decided that that just wasn't enough, and so we're going to read on to verse 35. And even after that, you might, if you haven't been with us in Bible study this week, you might want to make sure to finish the chapter when you get home. But we're actually going to read through to verse 35. So open up. I don't happen to have the page number for you because this all changed this week. But open up to Acts chapter 10 if you have your few Bibles. And if you are at home, you can take this moment to open up as well. And you can find the book of Acts right after the Gospel of John. So in our New Testament, we have our Gospels, and then we have this book of Acts, which is the, the telling us of the early church. And so if you are ready to hear the word of the Lord, will you please say amen? amen. Wonderful. Starting with verse 1. In Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion of the Italian cohort, as it was called, and he was a devout man who feared God with all of his household, and he gave alms generously to the people and prayed constantly to God. And one afternoon at about three o'clock, he had a vision in which he clearly saw an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius, and he stared at him in terror and said, what is it, Lord? And he answered, your prayers and your alms have ascended as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa for a certain Simon, who is called Peter. He is lodging with Simon a tanner, whose house is by the seaside. And when the angel who spoke to him had left, he called two of his slaves and a devout soldier from the ranks of those who had served with him. And after telling him everything, he sent them to Joppa. About noon the next day, as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter went up to the roof to pray, and he became hungry and wanted something to eat. And while it was being prepared, he fell into a trance. And he saw the heaven opened and something like a large sheet coming down, being lowered to the ground by its four corners. In it were all kinds of four-footed creatures and reptiles and birds of the air. And then he heard a voice saying, get up, Peter, kill and eat. But Peter said, by no means, Lord, for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. And then the voice said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up to heaven. And now while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men sent by Cornelius appeared, and they were asking for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. And they called out and asked whether Simon, who was called Peter, was staying there. And while Peter was still thinking about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are searching for you. Now get up, go down, and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. And so Peter went down with the men and said, I am the one who you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? And they answered, Cornelius, 
a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. And so Peter invited them in and gave them a lodging. And then the next day he got up and he went with them. And some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. And the following day they came to Caesarea and Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and his close friends. And on Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him and falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up saying, stand up, I'm only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, you yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without objection. Now may I ask why you sent me? And Cornelius replied, Four days ago at this very hour at three o'clock I was praying in my house when suddenly a man in dazzling clothes stood before me. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your alms have been remembered before God. Send therefore to Joppa and ask, ask for Simon, who is called Peter, who is staying in the home of Simon a Tanner by the sea. Therefore I sent for you immediately, and you have been kind enough to come. So now all of us are here in the presence of God, to listen to all that the Lord commanded you to say. And then Peter began to speak to them, I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks, Thanks be God. to God. Glorify your name. There are higher heights, 
turn to you this morning. Pour your Holy Spirit upon us as we worship you this morning. Bless the words of our mouths and the thoughts of our minds, so that all that we do and all that we say can be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. So I do love, love, love this chapter from the book of Acts. It is such an amazing message. And, and it's so wonderful to, to see one of the disciples, who's now an apostle, grow and understand things more fully. But I love this chapter. So really, if you weren't with us in Bible study this week, go home, read it over again. Read the entire chapter. It's an amazing one. But as we look into this chapter, first we learn about a man named Cornelius. Now, Cornelius was a Roman military leader, and so he was, of course, one who would normally be feared because he had a lot of power, not just any power, but also military power. So he would have been one who would normally have been feared, except for this man was a really good man. He didn't impose himself like other military leaders at that time, but, but he was a really, really good man. He made sure that as he was doing his, his work, his military work around the people, he saw those in need, and he helped those in need. It was an amazing thing. He helped those in need, and, and he was not one to be feared, but instead he was one who helped many. And so he became respected, not just among the community where he lived, but also among the Jewish community as well, because not only was he a good person, but he also believed in God, and not any God, not, not a Caesar or anything like that, but he believed in the God the God of Israel. He believed in God, and so he was respected by so many. But the thing was, he was still a Gentile. He was a Gentile, and so he wasn't to be associated with, with by the, the Jewish people. He was a Gentile, and so other Jewish people would normally keep their distance from him because it was unlawful for a Jewish person to associate with a Gentile. But then, as we're reading, we find Peter in this story. And as we 
see Peter in the story, we see this faithful leader of the early church, but we know that he's still very much all seeped in his Jewish tradition. Because at this point, Christianity is still very much a part of Judaism. It is completely a part of Judaism, and so he is still practicing all of his Jewish laws and, and rituals, and that includes staying with his own people. Since he was still seeped in his Judaism, he'd stayed within his own people. So when he preached, he only preached to other Jewish people. When he ate, he ate with other Jewish people. When he traveled, he stayed in the homes of other Jewish people. He stayed within his own tribe, within his own people. He never went out of his comfort zone. Even though he was a follower of Jesus, he never went out of his comfort zone, which is interesting because maybe you're thinking about Samaria right now. Maybe you're thinking about Jesus anytime that, that he would travel, he would take the disciples straight through Samaria instead of going around Samaria in order to teach them a lesson to step out of their comfort zone. But Peter, he was human. He was just human. He was like you and me. He made mistakes. And so he was not willing to step out of his comfort zone until God intervened. By the way, don't you love it when God intervenes in our lives so rudely and so, you know, unannounced that suddenly God just interrupts in our lives and, and just kind of inserts God's self when we think that we know what we're doing. We're living life thinking that we've got everything figured out and then bam, God just inserts God's self right there and interrupts our lives. You guys know what I'm talking about? Sometimes God interrupts our lives. I'll tell you my call to seminary was one of those calls. I was just walking across the quad minding my own business until God just decided to insert God's self into my life. But it was an amazing thing because it's really great when God interrupts our lives sometimes because sometimes our lives need a little bit of interruption. Well, that's exactly what happened to Peter. God interrupted his life. God forced him out of his comfort zone. And there Peter was just waiting for a meal, waiting for somebody else to prepare his meal for him. He was just hungry when all of a sudden we learned that he fell into some sort of trance. And Peter's there just hungry, waiting for somebody to cook him some food, hanging out. And suddenly this vision happens. He has this vision, and I, I love, I, this is, you know, I always say when I get to heaven, I want to see, like, sit in a movie theater and see how all these things actually played out. I really want to see what this was like. I can just imagine Peter and suddenly having this vision of this sheet of all these terrible, gross, unclean creatures being lowered in front of him. All these reptiles, I imagine, like, creepy snakes, <laughs> so gross. You know, all these things being lowered right in front of him. And then a voice from heaven saying, Peter, kill and eat. And Peter's like, uh-uh, I'm not doing that. No way, God. I would never eat anything that is unclean or profane. And then God says, do not call what I have made clean profane. And then as if that, that isn't enough, God says it again. Do not call what I have made clean profane. And then God has this vision happen again and then again to make sure that Peter truly understands the point, to make sure that Peter understands that God isn't talking about food. I don't think God cares too much about the food that we put into our body. God wasn't talking about food, but instead this was a metaphor, and Peter 
understood the metaphor. Peter understood that he could not call people unclean that God has made clean. And so Peter had to step out of his comfort zone. Peter had to step out of his Jewish bubble, especially at this point it's turning into a Jewish Christian bubble. So he had to step out of his bubble. He had to step out of his comfort zone. But when he stepped out of his comfort zone and he spread the gospel, good things happened. When he stepped out of his comfort zone, good things happened and the good news of Jesus Christ, the saving news of Jesus Christ, spread from him to the Gentile community. Now, just yesterday, we had a funeral. This was a busy week here in this church. Weddings, funerals, all sorts of stuff, you know, makes it feel a lot more like normal. But yesterday, when we had a funeral, it was for Lucy Yant. Now, if you've been a member of this church for probably more than seven years, you would know Lucy Yant quite well. Uh, She had been in an assisted living home since. She died at 95 years old. But the other day, so earlier on in the week, I think it was Monday, I was able to go sit with Lucy. Thankfully, they were able to let me in so I could sit with her and pray over her. But I also got to sit with her two daughters and talk to them. And her daughters told me a story about Lucy that I had never heard before because I think Lucy was a bit too humble to tell me. But this is an amazing story about Lucy stepping out of her comfort zone. So about sometime about in the 1960s when she had her, her two daughters, one was off in elementary school, the other one was still home with her, Lucy was sitting at home with her youngest daughter one day when her neighbor's house exploded completely exploded. Her neighbor's house exploded, and and there was an explosion within the house, and the whole entire thing just went up in in this billowing amount of smoke. And and everybody, of course, in the neighborhood came out of their houses to come stand and to watch what had happened. You know, you can imagine that. There's an explosion, and what's the first thing that we do sometimes? We're like, what happened? And, you know, everybody stood outside their houses looking at their neighbor's house that had simply exploded. Everybody stood there and everybody froze because that's normally what we do, right? Maybe you firefighters know how to go and rush into a building, but most of us people are probably just going to stand there and freeze. Well, that's what almost everybody did. Everybody except for Lucy. Lucy knew that her neighbor was probably in the house. And so she went and crawled underneath these big clouds of smoke and she crawled into the house and she went and she found her neighbor whose body was 75% burned. And she, this, this thin little woman, pulled, well, not little, she was tall, but this thin woman pulled her neighbor out of the house and brought her to safety. That neighbor who's still alive today. That's amazing on its own, but that's not all that she did. Then Lucy went back into the house while everybody else stood at their comfort zone far away. And then Lucy went back into the house again, crawling underneath the smoke because she was a smart lady too. And she went in and she found the nursery. And she found the crib. And she reached into the crib and picked up a baby boy and carried him to safety. He, too, is alive to tell this story today completely unharmed. Of course, he doesn't remember the story, but he's heard it many times. 
our own Lucy. I can't believe she had never told me this. I talked to her and Sheridan so many times uh, before Sheridan had passed and they were still living uh, near the church and I'd go sit with them and talk to them all the time. I've heard so many stories about their life and yet I'd never heard that story probably because Lucy was so humble she didn't want to tell this story. But I was thinking about this as I imagine Peter having to step out of his comfort zone. Do you realize that's what Lucy did that day? Lucy stepped out of her comfort zone. Everybody else stood at a distance and that's sadly what happens. A lot of time us people we stand and we freeze when we see something that's scary but not Lucy. Somehow she said she felt the Holy Spirit push her in. She felt God lead her in. She knew she needed to go in and so she went in and became a real life hero saving the lives of two people who are still alive today. But she felt God push her out of her comfort zone. And when she was pushed out of her comfort zone, she was able to save not one but two lives. So what I think is I think about what we just read today, and as I think about the story of Lucy, who is such an amazing story, when I was telling my mom the other day the story, I actually started to tear up a little bit because I was so moved by it. But when we think about this, how do we need to move out of our comfort zones? What do we need to do to get out of our comfort zones? What do we need to do? I know that this is one of the most important reasons why we send kids, and we should probably send more adults too in this pandemic is over, but we're one of the reasons why we go out on mission trips. Because when we go out on mission trips, we interact with other people. When we go out on mission trips, suddenly when we interact with other people, we drop our biases. We realize that maybe we didn't understand everything that we thought we did about that community. When we go out on mission trips, we see different world views and we grow and we change because we step out of our comfort zone. How do we need to step out of our comfort zone so that we can spread the gospel in more profound ways? Just think, let's think about the flip side. Let's imagine that none of us step out of our comfort zone. And sadly, there's a lot of people in this world who don't step out of, our com- out of their comfort zones. Let's imagine if we never stepped out of our comfort zones. We would only interact with people who looked like us and believed like us. We would only listen to news that has the perspective that we want to hear. There's a lot of people who do that today. We would only worship with people who think exactly like us and have the same exact beliefs as us. We would only interact with people who have the same traditions as us. Imagine if we did that, if we never stepped out of our comfort zones. How would we grow? How would we learn? How would we interact with people and share the good news of Jesus Christ? How would we get out into the world and love like Jesus loved? If we never got out of our comfort zone, none of that would happen. If Peter never got out of his comfort zone, we would not know a word about Jesus today. If the disciples did not step out of their comfort zone, none of us would hear the news of Jesus Christ. If Lucy didn't step out of her comfort zone, those two people would not be alive today. So how do we have to step out of our comfort zones? That's what I want us to think about this week. I want us to really think and to pray about how we can step out of our comfort zones. And all of you 
moms, I'm looking at you, and dads as well. I know it's mothers, everybody. We all know something about being, stepping out of our comfort zones. There's nothing comfortable about being a mom. Go back to that moment when, you, when you're pregnant and suddenly you're sick all the time. There's nothing comfort, comfortable about being a mom by any means, and yet it's worth it when we get uncomfortable. How do we need to get uncomfortable this week? What do we need to do so that we can better spread the gospel of Jesus Christ? That's our homework to figure out, okay? It's been a while since I've given you homework. That's our homework. How can we get uncomfortable? And when we get uncomfortable, how can we do a better job at living the gospel and spreading the gospel? And let's join in a moment of prayer. Oh, Lord, loving Lord, Lord, we turn to you today because we know and we feel when you push us out of our comfort zones. We turn to you today because we know that we can't just stay comfortable. We turn to you today because we know we can't just stay within our own communities with people who just think like us and look like us and believe like us. We know we need to get uncomfortable sometimes. So, Lord, this week, make us uncomfortable so that we can spread the gospel. Make us uncomfortable so that we can live the gospel. We pray this in every prayer through Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Savior, who taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now for our call to offering, you can make your pledges or donations either out, out back uh, as you leave in a, uh, in a little area to put your money, or you can go uh, online and donate online. Thank you. Give thanks to the grateful heart, give thanks to the Holy One, give thanks because He's given Jesus Christ His Son. And now let the weak say, I am strong, let the poor say, I am rich because of what the Lord has done for us, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks. And let us pray. Gracious God, may this act of giving transform our hearts and our minds. May you bless these gifts and use them to do your will. Through Christ we pray. Amen.
these are the days of Elijah, declaring the word of the Lord. And these are the days of your servant Moses, righteousness being restored. And those are the days of great trial, of famine and darkness and sore. Still we are the voice in the desert crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant David rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest. The fields are as white in your world. And we are the laborers in your vineyard declaring the word of the Lord. Behold, he comes riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice to the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion's hill salvation comes. There's no God like Jehovah, 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 there's no God like Jehovah. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's year of jubilee. And out of science till salvation comes. Behold, he comes, riding on the clouds, shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, it's the year of jubilee. Out of Zion's hill, salvation comes. Amen. Now go forth with the blessing of God. Go forth getting out of your comfort zone. Go forth, be blessed, and be a blessing to all.